Welcome to the business of being healthy, where we are passionate about treating our health as good as we treat our wealth. Shelly Bryan here, and I'm obsessed with showing high achievers how to level up their performance without sacrifice. Together, through real-life experience and guest expert knowledge, we push aside the BS to take massive intentional action. By tuning in twice a week, you will receive the straightforward talk you've been waiting for, filled with actionable steps that will inspire you to achieve the health you deserve while you are building your empire. Welcome back to another episode of the Business of Being Healthy podcast. My name is Shelly Bryan. I'm your host again today. And I cannot tell you how honored and actually humbled I am with today's guest. Tiffany Carter is someone that I met at an event last year and immediately had a lasting impression on me. So much so that when I launched the podcast, she was one of the first people that I knew I had to get on. And here she is with us today. So Tiffany Carter is a former newscaster turned multimillionaire entrepreneur. She is well known for taking the mystery out of making big money online. And her specialty is teaching people how to monetize their passion, gifts, and expertise using the power of digital branding and content marketing. She is the founder of the brand, the podcast, and the coaching academy, Project Me with Tiffany. So Tiffany, welcome again. So excited to have you here. Hey, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for this show that you're putting it out there and you're doing the thing. We're doing the thing. We're doing the damn thing. Yeah, I know. You you had such a... Tiffany, we we met at James Patrick's event, Fitposium, now called Get Published Live last year. You were a speaker and it's like immediately your presence when you went in front of the group just took me. And I loved as we got to spend a little bit more time together, just hearing your background from health and corporate and all the things to where you are now that you just have such wisdom. So I really appreciate you coming on here today. And with that... I'd love for you to share a little bit about that journey of newscaster to corporate to now here in entrepreneurship. What's so cool about when you hear the story is it's undeniable evidence that we're always being led for our greatest good. We can't, we don't, we can't pick all the things that are going to happen. If we did, we would likely screw it up because we're mere humans. That's why we have to trust like in the universe or God or a power greater than ourselves because I couldn't have made this up. I mean, from the age starting at 13, I wanted to be a TV newscaster because in my mind, they told the truth. Now it's laughable now because, you know, (laughs) things have things have gone sideways. (laughs) But at that time, it was like, they tell the truth. They have command presence. People listen to them. I grew up in a very abusive household and no one listened to me and no one believed me. So I was very attracted to that. And I stuck with that and I went to college for it. Then I got hired even before I graduated college at NBC, then CBS. And I had a national segment on CNN And that's great that I did that, but I was making crap money. A lot of people don't realize how low paid most people in the news business are, unless you're on like the Today Show, truly. Like there's like 0.005% of people who make 100,000 or more in that business, even if you've been in it for 25 years. 
you know, I've, I had a 10 time Emmy award winning new TV newscaster as my client. And I had him as a guest on my show and I mean, a 30 year career and he just touched a hundred grand and was like beloved by millions of people. So I wasn't, I wasn't making money, but that wasn't even that. I, if I was absolutely obsessed with what I did, I could probably figure out the money thing in some other way, but it was so negative. I mean, the whole saying in a newsroom is if it bleeds, it leads. You need to be sensational. You need to find like the nastiest, worst story. And like, that's what got you the top position in the story for the day. And then people are fighting for the worst story, the most horrific story. And it was like negative, negative, negative. And I just like, I couldn't take it on top of the fact that I was like eating top ramen every night, you know, cause I didn't have money. I was like, this is getting old. So I had saw so many friends from college, people from high school that were in the pharmaceutical industry. And I've always been like, I'm an OG gym rat. I've been like, the gym has been my life since I was 14. Like that was my like, shout out Bally's Total Fitness, whoever remembers that in the Midwest. I think my husband still has his Bally's membership and just oh has my God, never canceled it. That's yeah. amazing. I didn't even know if they still existed. And I was like, that was, I spent hours there. Those were my people. It was my place. It was safe. I, I, you know, I, I still love a great gym. Like it's, it was my thing. So I was like, okay, that's in the health industry. I saw that they were making money. They had a company car, you know, it looked, you know, it looked very like luxurious. And so I was like, well, I'm going to go and try that. I didn't realize how hard of an industry it is to get in, but part of my personality which is good and also, you know, has a flip side to it is a very stubborn and relentless. So I interviewed at 50 different companies before someone hired me. But back to what I said in the beginning is that we can't plan this stuff. This is happening for us. That 50th company is to this day, the most ethical and one of the top best training companies to work for and that's Merck Pharmaceuticals. So I know they're also the, the lowest paying, just saying, but they are in terms of a training ground and ethics and everything. But I could have quit after 10 and been like, I can't get in this industry. No one wants me. So most people do quit, but I kept going and someone finally, you know, took a chance on me. So got in that career. And then I realized I had to fucking sell. Like it's a sales job. I'm not a salesperson. I'm a communicator. You know, I'm a professionally trained broadcaster and I have to sell stuff in order for me to keep my job because it's highly competitive. And they train you how to do all the things, as you know. That didn't feel good to me. It felt manipulative. It felt gross. I felt annoying. And I literally would be profusely sweating to where I had to take deodorant and put it on my face. Because what did they say? Never let them like see you sweat. Mm -hmm. Be in there talking to these doctors and I'd be pouring sweat like under my blazer. I'd be like drenched because I'm an introvert. I'm a highly sensitive person. A lot of people don't assume that about me. 
uh, I'm just highly so I'm highly socialized is what it is. But like that was so uncomfortable for me and I was going to lose my job and I had to figure out a way to be able to get the job done in a way that felt really good to me or I was going to have to leave and I had no other backup plan. Like what I was I going to do? Go back to the news business? No. Like what am I supposed to do here? And I worked so hard to get this. So I figured it out. And that's where my famous emotional-based sales techniques that I've taught to well over 150,000 people, if not more, to this day, that I've made millions and millions and millions of dollars on, helped other people make millions and millions of dollars. That was born out of that time period. That couldn't have been predicted. You know, my broadcasting career is what also helped set me up for having a successful podcast. There were no podcasts back then. It really, these lines really do all connect. The problem is we try to like force the lines and we get in, we get in the way and screw it up. Like there's not enough allowing and trusting and surrendering and receiving. Now I, I climbed that corporate ladder, kept hitting a glass ceiling, hitting a glass ceiling, you know, got all the awards they didn't want me to be promoted because I made them so much money selling. They don't want me managing. I finally got management positions, but then they didn't want me in the upper management because as you know, it's still mostly run by like old white men. Yep. And I was like, this is not fulfilling anymore. Like I didn't hate my job. Like, you know, you hear people talk about like, oh, I, I hate my job. I have to get out. And I know some people really do. I didn't hate it. I really didn't. In fact, there's a lot of things I love about about the industry and all of that stuff. But it, what I hated is I felt like I was being controlled where my income and was not limitless. It was being capped and it wasn't because I was capping it. It was something outside of my control. So I would, you know, complain to some of my close clients who are doctors and I'd be like, this is bullshit. I don't know what to do. And thankfully, you know, there were two of them who are very business focused. They're like, well, why don't you start your own business? And I was like, what? Doing what? I mean, that sounded wild to me. And it's like, well, doing what you already do with all of these offices for free. And I go, what's that? Like dropping off like coffees and pens. <laughs> like, what? I mean, I'm like, what in the hell? What do I do? And he's like, you spend hours creating branding and marketing plans for these offices, doctors, medical groups in order for them to bring in more highly qualified patients and you do it for free. And I go, that's, I go, that's true, but I do that to build rapport and goodwill and make myself useful. And it's like, well, there's like, agencies that charge hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars for someone who does that. He's like, you do it for me and we get great results. And I was like, okay. And he's like, you just have to ask people to pay you. And I was like, ah, and then I like start panicking again, which is why I understand when people come to me for business coaching, they're like, yeah, but what do I charge? And where do I start? And do I have to do a proposal? And I took the risk and I started asking, which wasn't like breaching any contract because it was not like, 
I wasn't doing taking business away from the company. It was not a competitive. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, I can I can do this, what I've been doing for you, like for free for all these fucking years as an overgiver. I was, you know, I didn't say that, but I, you know, I'm now offering this as a service. I'm creating a boutique agency that's specified, you know, in pharma, medical, healthcare providers, blah, blah, blah. And they all said, yes. It was like, even one, one of the clients even said, God, I was kind of feeling like we were kind of feeling guilty. Like at some point she's going to like want money from us. And now did I give them the prices that I am today? No, of course I gave low prices because that's what most new entrepreneurs do because we're freaking out. Right. But I mean, I gave, it was, it was still fair. And in six months I was able to leave my corporate career and like work from my robe all day, which is what I was most excited about to begin with was to not wear, you know, a pantsuit, AKA leg prisons ever again. Mm-hmm. And so that's where that all started is I parlayed an area of expertise that I, you know, honed over the years with people I already had rapport and trust built and created a business out of it. I still have that business today. I've had it 15 years. It is a multi, multi, multi million dollar business. I'm very well known in the industry. And yeah, there's some big fancy New York City agencies that, you know, that technically are my competitors. And I, my people don't leave me because I have that expertise and that trust built by coming from a place of service first. What I see so many people wanting now is they want, give me that quick money. I want, I want the downloads. I want to go viral. I want the cash. I want the clients. I want the results at the gym. I want it now before putting any skin into it. And once in a while, yeah, some people have a like a hit, an instant hit, but usually those people are one hit wonders. If you really think about it, like if even in like the world of acting or music, yeah, rarely do those people have another hit again. Do you want to be that person? I don't want to be the one hit wonder. Or do you want to be the person and the company that stands the length of time where you can actually like sell that company or pass it on to your children or do, do something with it? Well, what I love about that, I mean, there's so much in there that I actually want to dive into a couple things before we, before we continue on, Tiffany, because first I, I got to ask you, because when you're a newscaster, it sounds like that wasn't nerve wracking for you, right? Sitting with the lights and the camera on you, was that not nerve wracking compared to being in, in front of with the doctor? Excellent question. No, it's a controlled environment. And I was highly trained because I went to college for it. Like we're, you know, you're, you learn by sitting at the desk at internships. So in the beginning, yes, this is why we invest in going to school and doing coaching programs, certifications, because one of the things it does is that, you know, it in a safe environment, you learn how to be seen and how to speak up and how to show up so that when it comes time to 
the lights are on, the camera's on, you go on air, you publish the thing. It's still scary, but it you're prepared for. It's like, you know, they say like, it's like that preparation meets destiny thing. Totally. totally. So what I didn't have any training on was selling. And I shouldn't say I didn't have any. The company I started with provided a lot of training, but it was a training for people who were the stereotypical salespeople, extroverts, you know, the bro marketers. God love Tony Robbins, but I had semi-privates with Tony Robbins. Like, and I, you know, I appreciate him for what he is, but that's not my personality type. So that type of selling and approach and rapport building didn't work for me because it's not a one size fits all. Just like any fitness trainer or coach I've worked with, if they tell me like, oh yeah, to lean out, like you need to go, you know, you need to go running X many times a week, I would laugh because I'm never going to run. Like it's not happening ever. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter. I believe you. It burns a lot of calories, but like it's not happening. It's not my lifestyle. Right. And there's other ways to go about it. It's not a one size fits all approach, but that's where I think people who are wanting to grow their businesses or start a business where they get stuck is like, oh my God, how am I going to get people to actually buy the thing? And that means I'm going to have to sell. And then there's the stigma around selling that freaks people out. But just like it freaked me out to be on air for millions of people, it was much less freaky when I got trained to do it. It's not like I got there and I was like winging it. I actually knew what I needed to do. I had nerves, but not from a place of, oh my God, I'm clueless. I don't know what I'm doing. Totally. No, it, it's, it was interesting just hearing you share that story because I was like, man, she's got cameras on her and lights and the studio and everybody moving which way and teleprompters and all the stuff. That's your training, right? So that training and knowledge breeds confidence, period, right? And then we put you in this position where now... And and this was one thing that I know the transition for me when I was in pharmaceuticals, when I looked at these doctors and I'm like, the difference between you and me is school and school debt. That's it. You are no smarter, no better than me, no nothing. And as soon as I had that, that sweat of like, <gasps> like, cause I was like, like I was the like, intimidation of like, I'm talking to, and some of those doctors are like jerks world known. Yeah. Yes. A lot of them are jerks. It's a fair, fair amount. I would say it's a fair amount, but you're right. They are world known. And you're like, wow, this is Dr. Such and such. And here's me, the rep, you know, it, it kind of puts things in perspective, but it was that knowledge, experience, training, to get you the confidence to do it. And which is why like now what's funny is I'm paid a lot of money to go in to uh, corporations to do sales trainings, to speak to big sales forces. And that's one of the things we do is we just desensitize them to that. We bring in, um, we bring in people, like if it's a real estate group, we bring in um, multi-millionaire potential clients for them to meet and talk to, to desensitize them. If it's pharmaceutical or medical, we bring in doctors so they can go, oh, well, that's not like so intimidating. I can do that. Gosh, I, I love that. And just how the full circle, right? You had said earlier how like 
our path, everything is happening for us. I am a huge believer in that, in that too, Tiffany. And I hear that loud and, and clear on your podcast and in your messaging is everything is happening for us. And isn't it funny how those two doctors that really supported you, like had you not gone through this whole spot to work for that company selling those drugs to that specialty of doctor in that territory that would bring you to those two that would support you to then start your whole entrepreneur journey. That's why I'm saying like, I couldn't have planned that. That's why if we don't step back and have surrender and have some trust and lean in when something intrigues us or when we have that nagging desire that's not going away, like at least trusting that or you're really vibing, you know, our conversation here and you're like, you know, God, Tiffany is like intriguing to me. I want to learn more and then go listen to the podcast, lean in, lean into it. I mean, look what you did. You leaned into it. You were, you know, you felt a rapport with me and a connection with me, like you said, and then you leaned into it. And now here I'm on your damn show. No, it's like, it's so legit. And like, had I not gone to that event, right? I wouldn't have met you in person. Like I already followed you, but like, I didn't know you. And then like seeing you there. And then it was like a different level of learning and awareness, I guess, absorption of what you were saying. And like your content right now on social media is freaking fire. And I was like, this is so great. And it's resonating with me on a different level, right? Like my commitment to what you are putting out is a different level. So I'm receiving it different. I'm also growing a lot right now. So it's like you grow you resonate with different messages. And so I love that you share all that growth that you're having too. Just even getting to entrepreneurship now. And I know that's kind of where we left off in in building Project Me. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, we, you know, we keep evolving. And I had the idea for Project Me with Tiffany Carter, the podcast, the Business Coaching Academy. I had this idea for 10 years. And I couldn't, there wasn't money as an excuse. I had money, you know, I had money to start this thing and I was already an entrepreneur. So that wasn't new to me. And that's my point when you, when you, when people, I don't mean you, literally you, but you, the listener coming up with all these stories, like, well, I can't because of my kids or because my mom is sick or my husband's an asshole and I want to leave him and I don't have money and I don't know where to start. It's all shit because I had all the all the main um, excuses that people give, I couldn't give those. And I still didn't start for 10 years. Mine were like, I wasn't fit enough because exercise addict is a form of an eating disorder. And I like, unless I looked like the girls on the covers of the magazines, and I know it's the industry shifted now where they're being a little more open to who's on the cover. But I was like, unless I look like that, I was a piece of shit. Seriously. And I was like at doing two a days, seven days. I was crazy at the gym. And I was like, oh, if I'm not fit enough, so who's going to want to watch me on Instagram unless I look like, you know, those Instagram influencer people. That was my, that was an excuse. Then I was like, who wants to listen to me as a podcaster when you could go listen to all these other famous or semi-famous people who already have podcasts? Like, who the hell do I think I am? And all the stuff came up. And then I started taking, I do what everyone else does who ends up coming to me. I started taking programs, trying to figure out like the how, and then that 
tricked me into believing I was taking action because I was researching and brainstorming and thinking about it. Not to say dreaming and imagining and all of that isn't part of a creative process, whether you're wanting a jewelry line or you're wanting a fitness business or a clothing business, whatever it is, it is part of it. But if you're staying in that for months and months and months and years and years, that's that's a form of hiding. It's a very clever form of hiding. It's like the people who get certification after certification after certification, it is much safer and less vulnerable to be the student than it is to take the action and do the fucking thing. Because as a student, you're not doing it yet. You're not applying for the job. You're not asking people to hire you. You're not pressing publish. You're not handing out a program or putting a book on Amazon or a podcast on the air. That's scary. Because what if the people don't come? Oh, hell yeah, that's scary. That I mean... T- Tiffany, like, I hope everyone listening goes back to the last like 30 seconds and listens to what Tiffany shared because I know I was in that space, right? That of like, oh, I'll do this course. Let me read this book. Let me do this. And, and I'm very passionate about reading and expanding and personal growth, but you have to have the action with it. And it's not like now, and I, I would like you to share your experience with this. It's not like now I'm like, oh, I read this book and like I put it all to action and everything's unicorns and rainbows. That's not the case. Like I take bits and pieces and I see what I can implement. But sometimes I find myself being like, oh, I need to read one more thing. I need to see one more thing before I'm worthy of being able to do this or do that. And you have obviously pushed past that, created an amazing business. What what are some tips when you... like? What are some tips that kind of got you to recognize you were a student? And then how did you get past student to action taker? I mean, keep in mind, like I said, it took me 10 years. So first I want to forewarn everybody. Don't think that can't, can't be you. It can be one year, goes to three, goes to five, especially when you're comfortable in your life. That doesn't mean you're happy, but I was comfortable. I was already making good money. I already had a business. Um, you know, I, but I wasn't, fulfilled and I wasn't energized at all by my life anymore. That didn't mean I wasn't um, appreciative for what I built or what I had, but I didn't feel alive. I didn't feel connected. I knew something was missing. I knew I was meant for more. I knew I was holding myself back. I kind of was not trusting that this nagging pull was there for a reason. I was very skeptical. Is it like, you know, just like a little fantasy desire, you know, like the inner child in me dreaming, you know, I want to be a star. Was it that or was there something real? And I wasn't trusting that if you have that nagging pull to do something and it's not left you and it's been around that fucking long, it's there for a reason. Cause I've interviewed thousands and thousands of people in my career between being, you know, a TV journalist and a podcaster. And let me tell you something, the majority of the world does not have these polls. There's a, most people are totally satisfied with working at UPS and there's nothing wrong with that. Working at a factory job, being a teacher, you know, coming home, working at a bank, come, you know, nine to five, getting, you know, two weeks of, you know, paid time off a year and coming home and, you know, cooking a turkey turkey, you know, like that's, and that's great. That's wonderful. As long as they're happy and fulfilled. 
they don't have that pull to invent something, to start something, to teach something, to put a message out in the world, to write a book. Like that's in you for a reason. And until it hit that 10 year mark for me, where I knew it was 10 years of me doing this bullshit dance in my head. That is what freaked me out was the 10 year mark, not the five year, God forbid. It was the 10 year mark, like, holy shit, Tiffany, you've had this for 10 years. It's never left you. I would sketch the logo. I would fantasize. I would be traveling the world and being like, I'd watch people online who were doing it and either I'd be inspired or I'd be jealous. Like, God, they did it. And then I'd make up stories about how they were able to do it. Oh, I bet they have rich parents. I bet they have a loving family support network behind them. Like, I would make up stories that they had all these things that I don't have. They have connections. Um, Maybe they started early on, so it was easier for them. So I was making up all these stories, basically building a case of why I couldn't do it. But it at that 10 year mark, I was just like, all right, what are we going to do? Are you going to regret? I had like a come to Jesus with myself. Yeah. Would I regret not at least experimenting and going for it? Would I regret that? My answer was, yeah, I would regret that. So then let's experiment. Maybe it won't work. There are no guarantees in life. Maybe something will happen that's even better. But don't we owe it to ourselves to at least experiment with what we're being pulled to do and at least experiment with these desires, no matter how wacky they sound? Like we wouldn't have our favorite movies, our favorite products, our favorite clothes, our favorite coaches, programs, podcasters, actors. We wouldn't have any of this if all of these people, myself, yourself included, didn't at least go, you know what? I'm going to take a chance on myself. Mm -hmm. It's so scary too. It's so scary, you know? Oh my God. So scary. It's so scary, but it, it's funny. Um, you had said earlier how you're relentless, right? So you're climbing the corporate ladder, hit the glass ceiling, but like you kept going, but like you're feeling a pull here, feeling a pull there. Like this past year for me, I'm like, wow, God, I haven't really been listening at all. I've been on my own mission, doing my own thing. And if I now reflect back, I'm like, wow, yeah, that was an opportunity. That was like, I should have listened, taken the action and like did the thing that like now it's like, again, I had to go through all of that to get to this point to be able to see that. But it's like hearing it through you and your experiences is just so valuable. And I know that our listeners... Some of them, not all, right? You have an extensive experience with interviewing, but have that pull. And it's like, let's listen. Let's listen and take the action. I mean, the pull could have nothing to do with starting a business. It could be that you don't want to be in your relationship anymore. And I'm not saying all of a sudden you, you know, pause this episode and like break up with the person or get a divorce, but at least get curious about it. And maybe it's that you need to get, you know, a therapist or a relationship coach and at least get curious about where that's coming from and honor that, that, that repeat messaging, that repeat 
pull that you have because you have to trust that there's something there with it. And continuing to ignore it, the cost gets higher and higher and higher. You become more dissatisfied, more discouraged, more depressed, more anxious, more unfulfilled, more restless, irritable, and discontent. And some people, for whatever reason, if you're a stubborn ass like me, it could take you 10 years. I hope it doesn't. That's part of my goal with being on podcasts, having a podcast, doing what I do. Because if I knew I had a me, I would have started sooner. I just was like, it was like the blind leading the blind. Like I would, I did not feel safe going about the scary thing all on my own. That was, that was too much for me. And if I had someone that I, that I trusted and I knew who's been there and I knew who's, who's done it, who could help me navigate it, where maybe it wouldn't be less scary, but it could be more easy. It could be more fun. It could at least be more clear. Oh my God, I would have jumped at it, but that, that didn't exist. I'm sure it did, but no one I resonated with. Most of the people that were out there, which is where I saw the hole in the market, were you know the people who looked like the perfect little influencer with their hot Instagram husband and who they retired, which I'm sorry, but I'm not retiring any man, just for the record. Like, that's not my job, nor do I want. I think it's very emasculating, not into it, not happening. Not not happening at all, <laughs> at all over here. Let me tell you that much. Not going to happen. You know, one thing I would love to dive into a little bit is because this is a, we, we've all of this is definitely very mental focused as well, right? Like understanding your mental capacity, where you are, maybe some areas where you need to strengthen, where you feel strong, scary, all the things. I also want to talk about the physical side of things because you have a very unique experience that I think our audience of high achievers, right? We sometimes go in extremes. Not sometimes. We we do a lot, right? We we go all or none, falls to the wall. And I would love for you to share a little bit about your exercise addiction and kind of what happened with that. And and then we'll end with where you are now. Uh you know, it comes from that overachieving energy. It's been so, it, it's been so glorified, but what it's really rooted in is like not enoughness. I have to keep doing and producing and be productive in order for me to be worthy of abundance, in order to, for me to be worthy of success, in order for me to feel good about myself. And some of us learned that from our childhood. Some of us learned it from society, corporate America, all the above. And I just kept going. You know, it's that belief system of like, you've got to do more. You've got to be more in order to have more. And, you know, success requires sacrifice and no pain and no gain. And then we do get rewards for it. I mean, I wouldn't have developed an addiction if I didn't get something from it. That goes for any type of addiction. There is something you get from it. So what did I get from it? I obviously got all the chemicals in my body of like the endorphin high, you know, of doing all of that. I got a lot of attention at the gym, which I liked. Um, 
I got to dissociate and not be in my body and think because everything I did was counting, which I know that my, I know that, uh, my fellow either fitness instructors or longtime gym goers, everything was like an eights, you know, it'd be like everything. And so I'm never really present processing my feelings, processing old wounds, really in my body, I'm constantly going like, okay, what's my superset? My superset is this, and I'm going to do this much of this, and then I'm going to do this. And what did I eat today? And how many carbs do I have? That's why I understand the mind of like the fitness entrepreneur, because that is the fastest way to totally dissociate and not be present. And I got so much out of it. And then on top of it, you know, even though, you know, your, your body does look pretty good because you're doing all of those things until your body revolts against you. So I was also a workaholic as well, which is also an addiction. They're both very clever. They're socially acceptable. People will go, I wish I had the discipline like you to work out all the time. Oh my God, you really have your shit together, Tiffany. You like work so hard and you always work out. And I was like, Pat, yes, yes, yes. But in my head, I was going, if they only knew, I'm a disaster. I'm unhappy. I'm miserable. I'm exhausted. I just didn't know any other way. The only way I was taught to live life and have quote unquote success was to be doing all these things. And then I was like, I must not be doing enough. It never dawned on me to do less until finally, you know, divine intervention occurred. And I met my first, he, he's like an executive, more of like a executive business mentor. Cause one of my clients was, who's a friend of mine was like, so sick of hearing me just, I was always complaining, right? Like I'm doing all this and not getting this. And I would always say like, with the amount I work out and how I eat, I should be like the top bikini fitness model in the world. What the fuck? You know, I should have this, I should have that. And I was saying stuff and he's like, book a flight to Las Vegas, be here at this time. You're meeting somebody like he was like tired of me. And I remember this man who's many, many decades, my senior I just, he's like, what's going on in your business? And I just like vomited everything I'm doing, you know, and it was working to some extent, but not really fully. It was like, I was at a stuck point and he's like, okay. And I go, I don't know what more I'm supposed to do or what more I can do. And I don't have any more left in me. Like, I don't know where I'd even pull it from. And he's like, you've got to do less more is not the solution. This man's worth a hundred million dollars. So I was listening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And came from nothing. So it wasn't like a trust fund deal. Like I couldn't come up with a story and I was like, okay. I'm like, wasn't getting it. Cause of course I'm like, even applying it to like gym stuff. I'm like, less is more like, okay. But what I ended up learning is when we do strategically less, we actually end up with more. I, I was very hard for me to believe, but I had a choice. Do I surrender and trust this and experiment with a different way of operating? Because my current way of operating was not working anymore. And so I did experiment with it. And then I kept experimenting with it. And I was like, 
if this actually works, this whole less is more thing as applies to business and money, and even like working out all of it, like I vowed to God, to the universe that I would teach it to millions of people. And it really is a thing. We're doing too much. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because we keep, we keep going. We keep going. You know, I get um, a mess, you know, a message from a fellow business owner that I knew in corporate, right? From back in the day. And she lives in California. Imagine that. And she's like, I work out, I eat healthy, I do all the things and I feel like crap. And I'm sick of it, Shelly. Like, what do I do? Right? It's, but, but that high achiever is like, achieve more, check the list, do the thing. It doesn't cross our minds to do less. And I've been told to do less when I hired a health coach and I was terrified. I thought I'm like, I'm going to end up on my 600 pound life. Dead serious. I was like, I'm going to, that's what's going to, because how could doing less when more isn't working, how could less be, how could less be a solution? But I, what was my choice? Why not experiment with it? And, and she spoke my language. She was like, Hey, try it on, you know, try it on. Let's do it for 30 days. And cause you're not going to end up on my 600 pound life in 30 days. And if that does not work for you at all, you can always go back to this other way of operating, which also, by the way, isn't working for you, but you can go back and in both health, business, money, relationships in every area of my life, the less I do, the more results I get. That's incredible. That's incredible. Now, did you start with business or health? first to do less and then kind of take it across all areas of life? Or did you just kind of go across the board? Uh, It started with business and then it became health because then my health was on fire. That was like the house was burning down and then it became health. And then I built project me with Tiffany Carter from scratch, not knowing one other person in an online business, one other person at a podcast. I didn't have an Instagram. I didn't have a YouTube. I didn't have anything. None of it. There was no mastermind. I knew nobody. I only knew traditional, you know, business owners. And I started that from scratch with that less is more. The more fun I have, the more money I make. The more fun I have, the more money I make. And yeah, sometimes my ego wants to slip back in. You're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. And anytime it does, I repel clients and cash. Anytime I go, that's such a gross energy. The energy that's attractive, the energy that feels good to our nervous system, which decreases our cortisol, our stress hormone, that's at that state of surrender and trusting. This doesn't mean you sit there and do nothing. You just do the best you can on any given day. And trust that that's enough because it is. And that's my work that I have to do every day. And I have to remind myself of that every day. But it's good. I mean, again, like if you had not met with this person in Vegas and gotten to this point, like your health could have taken a very significant turn, which then would have affected, right? Everything else that you're a part of. You had just mentioned cortisol, right? Essentially, why I went blind in my left eye is because I was so stressed out. I took everything on. 
right? And so my immune system was so weak. My cortisol was so high. It left me blind in one eye. So you bet that experience now when I feel the stress, I'm like, oh, I need to scale it back. Let's pull her back because it's just too much. You know, I'm so grateful I still have my one eye and that I only lost one. But what a great reminder. I think I needed like a brick upside the head to like pay attention. That's why this happened. But it's it's such a gift to me now because I can feel that stress and I'm like, nope, chill her out, take it back. Like, and I have like tactics and strategies to be able to do that. But now that you have done less, right? And you have that ability to recognize when it's too much. How has that impacted your health, the way that you treat your body and your business? How it's impacted my health is that I don't think I've had a gym membership for a few years, which is wild. And not to say I won't again. I'm not always like in a fight with my body, mm. right? It was always like a fight before. How exhausting. And instead, I'm like dancing with my body. Mm, I love that. I'm dancing with it. The bo- There's much more body acceptance. I feel lighter. I don't feel as puffy. I really don't watch what I eat to the point where sometimes maybe I should like get it together, but I don't need to because I'm not surging myself with cortisol and fighting my body. I'm trusting it. So we've got that going on. And then as far as business goes, you know, I'm someone who will always make sure I make a lot of money, period. But so what if you're rich, if you're miserable and you're emotionally and physically and mentally broke? I'm now wealthy. So I make millions of dollars a year while working, I would say, 30 hours a week. Could I work more? Of course, all of us can work. The work's never done, especially as an entrepreneur. Of course, I could work more. And I don't. I just and I'm in acceptance about it. It's okay. It's okay because there's so much more that's it's important to me how I'm feeling. Could I ha- could my business be worth a lot more money if if the old Tiffany was operating it in that way? Yes, but I would burn out. I'd be sick. I might have a heart attack. I wouldn't be happy. So what's the point? Yep. Yep. No, it's 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 so true. It is so true that they are correlated together, right? And it doesn't always mean more. It doesn't always mean that we have to do more. It's it's often the less. And one thing that um, I would really love you to touch on, and if you're listening in still right now, there's so much gold in this, but this is really one thing that I love about Tiffany and it's her don't give a fuck attitude. And I can just see it in in when you explain stuff. And obviously, your business confidence and track record speaks to it. But I would love to kind of hear how you have... Because that's something I think we all... Especially those of us that either are still in corporate America, right? Or came from it. Because it's like, you got your hand slapped. I know I got my hand slapped so many times. Like, you can't say that. That's too much, Shelly. You're being... Too, it's too much, right? Put a filter on. And you have fully embraced it. How how did you do that? And how has it helped you? 
this was a work in progress. I always say this to people like I call it the zero fucks given zone. You don't just like magically snap your fingers and get in this zone and not and not care what people think of you and not worry how you come across. We've got to work your way into it. But at a certain point in life, you're pouring so much energy out into crap that doesn't matter, people that don't give you a second thought, things that don't even exist, and you're only hurting yourself. It's like, it is such an empowering space to be like, you know what? Like, this is who I am. These are my needs. These are my desires. This is what I'm about. Take it or leave it. Now, that doesn't mean I don't care about people. It doesn't make me not caring. And that doesn't make me insensitive. But I'm also not going to allow other people's opinions of how I should operate my life, how I look, what I say, what I should do, what I shouldn't do, what makes them comfortable, what makes them not comfortable, rule my life. Because now I'm putting my life in someone else's hands. Oftentimes, the they, quote unquote, that everyone's worried about are this accumulation of people that don't even exist who aren't even thinking about you. And it's not worth it. It's really not worth it. So I always ask people, like, what would that zero fucks given version of you do? Would she start the business? Would she quit the job? Would she leave the guy? Would she set boundaries with her family? Would she talk about different stuff on social media? Would you dye your hair green? There's so much that little things to big things that we hold ourselves back from doing because we don't want to upset somebody. We don't want to come across a certain way. We don't want to offend anyone. We don't want to get canceled. But the person who's really paying the price for that is like, now you're in your own self-imposed prison. Like that ZFG zone is where your freedom is at. And it's so freeing. Like I really genuinely don't care. I mean, I really don't. And it's not because I don't care about you. It's because I care so much about me. Right there. I know that that was absolutely amazing. I think the questions that she shared, go back, make sure you capture those. Because if you are caring, that's the questions. And what she said at the end is that she really cares about you. And that's what we're here to do on the Business of Being Healthy podcast is bring it back to you. And so Tiffany, I just got to say... Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for sharing all of your wisdom today. I know there's so much more. So hopefully, maybe we'll do another episode in the future um, and see where you have grown from this point because it's absolutely amazing watching you. I highly recommend everybody follow Tiffany on Instagram. I will put all of her contact information in the show notes. Make sure you go there. She also has a free download right now. It's a guided walking meditation um, season of abundance. She's been killing it with this. So, um, But all of Tiffany's stuff is great. Make sure you uh, listen to her podcast as well. So Tiffany, thank you again for joining us. Thank you. 